0: Boom! There it is. It is a beautiful Wednesday out here. I'm super excited to talk about something that is really, really special to me, close to my heart. Uh, We're going to talk about everything, fat phobia and eating disorders and all kinds of good stuff. So y'all tune in. We're going to have a good time. Here we go.
1: Practicing polyamory. Real-life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real-life flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show.
0: All right, all right. Welcome, 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 everybody, to this beautiful day. Before we jump in and chat with our awesome guests today, I want to quickly remind everybody to please follow the show on Facebook and Instagram, especially where I'm most active. But you can find us on all social media platforms at Practicing Pauly right there. Uh, and I'm even doing TikTok now. So that is one free way to support the show. And speaking of free ways to support the show, the best way to support is to share it. Share it, share it, share it, share it far and wide. Uh, encourage others to subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever it is that you download the podcast. That's uh, where. That's the best way is is download the podcast, share it, share it, share it. Uh, my goal is to get to 40,000 subscribers. So with your help, I know I can get there. So please, if you find value in what I'm doing here, what, what, what we are doing here, uh, share it with your polycule, share it with your friends, share it in your Facebook groups uh, with your ch- chosen family and all over the interwebs. And lastly, as always, I want to remind you, if you are listening to this podcast, you are a welcome guest to be on the show. If you are actively polyam, polyam curious, or a professional serving the polyamorous community, I want to hear your story. If you are disabled, BIPOC, pan, bi, demi, gay, straight, sex worker, kingster, queer, lesbian, trans, NB, arrow, ace all of the above, whatever it is, I wanna hear your story. The more stories we hear, the more the world learns about all of us, the more representation we have and the better we can serve our community. So go to practicingpolyamory.com and sign up today. All right, that is my spiel. And now ladies and gentlemen, thems, the best part of the show, introducing our awesome guests. Our guest today describes herself As a mom to a pretty badass 10 10-year-old, a best friend to several gorgeous people, and a partner in a polyamorous relationship. She practices from a feminist, healthy-at-every-size approach, and has been working in the field of eating disorders since 2015. This awesome guest wants to spread the message that you deserve peace as much as anyone else. And her mission is to help her clients find themselves in a state of wakefulness, clarity, and a little bit closer to joy. Inspired to provide mental health care to people who were either too far from an office or couldn't leave home due to disabilities, our guest created her private practice to be completely online. Bet that helped in the last year. She now helps her clients navigate polyamory and ethical non-monogamy or multigamy as we learned earlier this week, eating disorders and disordered eating, LGBTQIA gender and sexuality issues, BDSM and kink and other relationship issues, from the comfort of their own homes. So I'm excited to dive into this topic, which is close to my heart. So without further ado, joining us today from the Wakeful State Therapy serving the great state of Texas. Welcome to the show, Katie Nees, and Cutter Roberts. All right. Sorry, Cutter. I didn't have a whole intro written out for you, but Katie, since you um, are the first one, since you were the first one that I introduced, tell me all about yourself. Tell me. Uh, you know what? Let's just dive right into this whole fat phobia thing. This is a huge issue. And, you know, I'm I uh, let's see. How, how, how do I put this? Um, I'm not innocent. Right of being one of those people that you know, at one point in my life would judge fat people. You know, you look over and you're like, we're in a restaurant and you see a fat person eating a big burger and fries and everything, and you're like, yeah, that that's what they need or whatever. You know, like it's such a common stupid thing. I've since learned, I've you know, I'm better now. But you know, this is where society is. This is what what, uh, society sees. So to help me to break down the stigma.
2: Yeah. And I mean, by the way, you're not alone in that. Even like myself, I've been in a large body since I was 10 years old. Like I judged fat people, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. just because I had been judging myself for so long. Um, and what we mean by weight stigma, um, is just, people already having this preconceived notion that thin equals healthy fat mm-hmm. equals unhealthy. Um, so I've gotten to a point where, um, and sometimes, you know, parents will even come to me and say, Hey, can you please see my kid? I'm super worried about him. He has gained, you know, he's 14 and has gained like 40 pounds this year. Um, so of course I ask about puberty, but they're like, he's just so unhealthy. And I'm like, can you show me the blood work? Cause I'm like, weight is not, an indicator of health like we know that now um and so yeah weight stigma then um i speak a lot about even to therapists like is your office you know inclusive of all body types Mm -hmm. um most of the time when i go into like a waiting room i don't sit down because it's all the chairs with the arms on it already um and i don't think providers even think about that um and you're leaving out like a huge demographic of the population, so um, it took a long time for me to undo all the diet culture messages that I was brought up with. Um, and you know, I feel like we can't even blame one person for that. It's like it's our entire society that basically has sure. the rule of if you're not currently working on yourself and working to change your body, there's something wrong with you. Um, you know, we see that all the time when people get praised for losing weight, no matter how they did it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, clients with disordered eating find me all the time and they'll say you wouldn't believe like I lost 30 pounds because I was eating 200 calories a day and people just loved it and I was yep. like yeah I was like be careful who you congratulate
0: right. um
2: so yeah that's kind of it in a nutshell
0: yeah and I mean I I feel like it's a pretty new or recent thing um you know, relatively. I remember taking an art class, and one of the oldest idols that uh, is you know around, like an old old carving of a goddess, and it's a big woman, right, with big yeah. you know breasts and a big belly, and like because back back then, to be to be fat, I guess, was like a sign of. Um, richness like there was there was and there was beauty in that and even old paintings like they're not thin stick thin figures so I would say it's a it's a pretty recent thing um Cutter I'm gonna jump over to you since I didn't have an introduction for you at all tell me about yourself tell me about your relationship with Katie and uh and what brings you here today
1: Sure. So I, too, uh, like Katie, am a professional counselor. I work with an agency, a group kind of private practice uh, in Dallas. I actually, as I look over the top of my screen, I can see downtown Dallas right now. Oh, nice. So cool. A very nice setup. Uh, I primarily work with trauma. Um, that's been my uh, real passion over the past few years. Um, I do a treatment called EMDR, um, stands for Eye Movement Desensitization and Reprocessing. Um, and that's the primary modality that I use that that I use to help people work through trauma. And it's not just uh, there is this notion that exists out there that trauma is going to war. And yeah, that's a, certainly a kind of trauma. But I think we discount so many other kinds of trauma and so many other kinds of really harmful experiences, like those that you know contribute to people having fat phobic views and a culture. That really uh, kind of idolizes only one way of being and eating and existing. Um, so you know, it's it's something that is the foundation of so many uh, of our difficulties and struggles. So I, I'm really passionate about that. I love to work with kinksters, polyamorous folks, uh, soji provider. Uh, so anybody who uh, you know comes in and, and wants to work on themselves, I'm more than happy to to be here and be that safe place for them. Um, I have, you know, Katie and I have been with each other for almost two years. We'll be two years mm-hmm. in November. I have a, a nesting partner I've uh, been married to for almost four years, before years next month. So, cool. yeah, we actually met on a networking uh, meetup that I wanted to to meet fellow providers in the area. And Katie was just starting up her, her practice at the time. And we met and really just kind of hit it off well. So, Nice. Um, yeah. uh, were you guys, were
0: you, were you both polyamorous at the time? Uh, and did you, you guys just were talking and how did, how did that come about? Like, that's always an interesting conversation. <laughs> you're, 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 at a networking event for therapists, not mm-hmm. a poly event. So how did that conversation happen?
1: Right. So uh, Katie, I'll let you take this one. Oh,
2: sure. Yeah. So, um, He actually sought me out and slid into my Facebook DMs um, because he had heard me. He had heard me saying, oh, that's what it was. Someone was um, asking for referrals and they were like, hey, is anyone comfortable working in North Texas with a polyamorous like situation? Um, Mm -hmm. Because that therapist themselves was like, I don't know what to do with that. And I was like, that's me. I want to do that. And then he sent me a message saying, hey, I think we serve kind of the same population. Would you ever want to get coffee? Then we did, and I remember even, like, texting my best friends from the bathroom, and I was like, "Um, he's me, but in guy form, and I
1: think that was like, <laughs> Dude, I almost had you.
0: Gotcha. That close. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so it started as just an honest, like, hey, I'm looking for somebody that serves this community and then you guys just both discover yeah. hey we're we're both polyam cool yeah well that's one way to do it meeting people in the wild mm-hmm. um yeah so the topic that we were uh that that i had picked was how disordered eating affects relationships so uh katie do you want to go ahead and lead us off on that conversation what is it i mean that's a very broad subject so yeah, i'll let you kind of take it from from anywhere that you think is is a good place to start.
2: Sure. Um, I think one of the biggest um, facets of this is kind of what Cutter was talking about before. Um, There is so much trauma (laughs) that people are dealing with um, based on like bullying from a young age um, all the way up to being bullied, like into their 30s. Um, I met with a client recently who was telling me that it's not only the parents, uh, like their parents, but also their partner's parents that will make comments Mm -hmm. about their food and about their body. And that's just so normalized in our culture. Um, And that causes actual trauma in the brain because it's like, okay, it's not, that was my thing for so long. Um, Like when I got my bachelor's degree, I ate not one time in that cafeteria for four years. My roommate and I always took our food to go and like watched the Sopranos in our room. Um, and I was like, there's no way I'm eating in public, like in front of these people. Um, and that's that trauma brain speaking saying like that that's not safe. Like someone's going to see you make assumptions, like possibly like verbally abuse you in some way. Cause it was like, that's not the first time that would have (laughs) happened. Um, so I think that's one of those things that, and cutter can probably speak to this, but, um, me working on my own mental health, you know, over the past like year and a half together, that's been a huge factor where sometimes I'm like, hey, I am having like a rough body image today. I don't wanna be touched or, you know, I don't wanna go eat in that restaurant. Um, There was one time I um, almost like left a restaurant and he was like, what's going on? What, you know, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I just, I, like I waited too long to eat and now I feel really uncomfortable sitting here. Um, so that to me is one of the main ways that it affects relationships is either body image, translating to sexuality, um, comfortability, intimacy, those things kind of shut down along the way with disordered eating and eating disorders.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Cutter. Yeah. And something that that I've noticed too, and something that, you know, in Katie and I talking about this, that has helped educate me in, in understanding just how complex and multifaceted this is, is, you know, it's not just, you know, comments about weight or comments about appearance or, oh, you're eating this or you're eating that. It's it's a lot more subtle messaging that I think a lot of people don't realize they send. Uh, So for instance, seeing somebody uh, in your household, someone important, you know, to you, a partner, a parent, a sibling, somebody who has a lot of diet food, you know, you see that diet food, and you see you start making these associations in our brain. Our brain loves to use like the associative property, like from mm. from math back from eighth grade, ninth grade, all those weird properties. It's like, okay, I see this diet food. This means they are placing a certain kind of viewpoint on physical appearance that it's not okay to be fat. It's not okay to be the size that you know that mm. person is currently at. And then we start thinking, wait, I'm bigger than that. If you have that view about yourself being in what you perceive as a larger body, how the fuck do you feel about me? Somebody who actually isn't a larger body. It's like, we assume like you're going to have that view about yourself. You've got to have that view about me. So Mm -hmm. in just that kind of simple thing of keeping that around, not intentionally, not, you know, trying to aggress against somebody but there's messaging that comes from that. So you're really you get this messaging from all directions. And, you know, it's it's, it can be really unclear how just some of those things that you do, do send that message. And part of that is a trauma informed uh, judgment that our brain makes, it starts to make Mm -hmm. that association. And if it's primed to receive judgment or expects judgment, you're going to get to that place much quicker. So somebody can influence disordered eating and disordered body image, Without even being intentional about it, without trying to do anything directly to do it, just those things can trigger that and can make that more difficult for somebody. Yeah, that that's... I'm sorry. I took it too far. don't
0: even mean to don't even mean to but it happens and that that word that you said trigger like that was exactly what i was thinking of uh as as you were talking about it because that is like a a triggering thing and then katie you said uh one of the things that you said is i'm having a bad body day and i hear this um from from i've heard this from every partner that i've had you know no matter what size that they're at like bad body day, bad body day, bad body day. So what is it about our bodies and our body image that affects us in this way that we have to leave restaurants or change our outfits 15 times before we are comfortable enough to go out?
2: That's a good one. (laughs) Um, So – to me, it all stems from those messages that you get from very, very young. Um, And like you were saying earlier, a lot of times it's from people that are well meaning or didn't like honestly didn't mean to trigger anything. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's ingrained in us from such a young age that your size and your appearance equal your worth. So that's why I think it's so easy to like, look at a fat person or look at anyone that's kind of considered other and say like, "Mm, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. Or like Mm -hmm. they shouldn't be happy with themselves. They shouldn't be content. Um, And I think that's where so many bad body image days and insecurities come from is just that correlation of like, I'm obviously not worthy. Um, It also causes a lot of like risky behavior, especially like, Younger age, like in my young twenties, it was like such low self esteem that I was like, anyone that will pay attention to me can hang out with me. I don't care if Mm -hmm. our values align. I I don't care if they treat me particularly well. Um, I'm just getting attention. So that was the only thing I had to base worth off of, because I've been fat since I was ten years old, and people, you know, all the messaging to me was like, whatever you're doing, it's not right. Like, I don't know why you're so undisciplined. I don't know why you're lazy, and I'm like, man. It took me until I was like in my late 20s to discover I'm not lazy and I'm not unself like undisciplined. I somehow achieved all these other things in my life. Um, but yeah, that's the answer to the question. I think is uh, no matter what size you are, again, um, especially for women, but also for men um, or however you know um, women identifiers. I think you're, again, constantly being told, like, if you're not constantly changing, there's something wrong. Um, So that's why even like, thin, I've had thin friends in the past that are like, if I could just get like, my upper arms to be more Mm -hmm, toned. mm -hmm. And I'm like, there's never, there's never that magical thing. (laughs) So when clients say like, I'll have self confidence when I lose 20 pounds, I will feel better about having sex. Once my thighs are a little bit more toned, I'll feel better. And I'm like, no, you won't. There's that bar always moves every single time. Like if you don't deal with the shame from this. Boom. Yeah. I'm like, the, it's never going away. You'll find something else to be on. Unha- you could lose a hundred pounds and you're still going to be like, why is my skin so uneven? Like I get redness. Like there will always be something that you're trying to prove that you're worthy.
0: Boom. Boom. Absolutely. Yes, nailed it. Cutter, I want to ask you, uh, I want to kind of bring this topic to, you know, make it a little bit more relevant for this show. Uh, Can you talk to me about that intersection, uh, where we're talking about disordered eating, fat phobia, etc, and so on, and polyamory? Like, what where do those two intersect? What are we seeing? What are you seeing between maybe your, your clients that are in bigger
1: bodies and are also polyamorous? Right. So within polyamory, something, and if I may, you know, kind of talk about what it's been like for for me and Katie, like, I'm in, you know, I'm in a larger body myself. I, uh, can't really see it, but I am. And, You know, I I, I definitely have my issues with eating and certain foods and and managing that. And within polyamory, I feel like for Katie and I, at least, it can be something where, you know, we can really support each other. You can build a really supportive community in how you talk about that with your polycule in terms of this is something I'm trying to do. Let's see how we can work on this together. Um, So there is, you know, I I don't know if I love the term accountability for it, but it's certainly we can get on, I think it's a little bit easier to get on the same page. You know, the idea of like, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, this is something that having a supportive community, having that kind of village around you and your polycule can be really helpful. Um, And likewise, too, I know there have been times where if we're both not doing good, One of us probably should suggest, "Hey, we probably shouldn't do this." It does fall easier to kind of, kind of get off track because we're, you know, it's going to be easier for us to get into that because if that's what you're thinking is going to make you feel good right now, oh, I'm I'm thinking the same thing. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say no to that, (laughs) even though I know, like, okay, this probably isn't the best thing for me right now. But damn it, it's what I want, and I want what I want, and I want it now so that can, you know, that can, can factor into it too. But I've really seen that it's, it's a great way to, to get support, to have a community. Um, and that can make it a whole lot easier when you have everybody that's around you understands is on the same page and is willing to work with you and meet you halfway and trying to help you get there.
0: Katie, go ahead.
2: Yeah. I think I, I have another point that I just thought about while he was talking, um, I also think the more you are able, like the more we're able to deal with our own shame and build worth on something other than appearance, Mm -hmm. um, I think it makes a huge difference in like how you relate to your metamors um, and any insecurities. So, you know, it's such a classic thing um, in polyamory. Like I've heard this a million times where it's like, I guess like he can go date her like, that's not what I look like. I heard the other day, I don't want mm-hmm. to stand anywhere near that meta. Um, right. Because there was so much of that comparison.
0: Yes. And
2: comparison, it's like such a hokey saying, but comparison is the thief of joy. <laughs> um, so, true. so I think it makes a huge difference for me. Um, all the work that I've done on my own body image and self worth to kind of look at any other person, you know, cutter might be interested in. Um, or his nesting partner, and be like, "I'm worthy all on my own. There's no comparison that needs to be made here to cause an insecurity for me. Like that's not I'm not doing that today.
0: <laughs> I, I love that. It, you you nailed it, I think., uh, you know, when when we're talking about about polyamory, and it is it's so easy for us to compare ourselves to other partners. Uh, and I mean, I think that we 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 all do it all the time, but there's definitely that trauma. Right of being a bigger-bodied person, and then your partner starts dating somebody who isn't right, who's thin or fit or whatever, and it's yeah, it's definitely easy to make that comparison, and it's and it's health unhealthy and scary. So uh, to get to that point that you're talking about of that self-love, right, and and appreciating ourselves for, I mean, obviously. They need to talk to one of you, right, a therapist, <laughs> and and actually do a lot of work. But what are some of those opening steps? What are some things that uh, you could leave the audience with that some some steps that they they can start taking today to help them start that journey?
2: Great question. Um, I'm a big fan of like I have my clients all the time read the book called Health at Every Size. Um, it's written by a doctor who um, really breaks down a lot of fat phobia and then also has a lot of scientific information about like set points with our weight and why dieting is like it fails every time. And her big thing is, or their big thing is um, you didn't fail at the diet, the diet failed you. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one. I also really like, to have clients work toward body neutrality so we hear body positivity all the time um right. and sometimes people just aren't there and it feels like you're being forced by society as like love love yourself self-love and it's like how do i do that though <laughs> i don't know how to do that mm-hmm. um so we work a lot toward body neutrality so that would be like um So a therapist made me do this once upon a time, and she had me look in a mirror, like a full-length mirror, and go from my toes all the way up to my head and say everything I didn't like. And then she had me do the same thing, and either to say something positive or neutral, I got to my arms, and I was like, I can't think of anything positive to say here. Um, And she was like, well, what about, like, my arms allow me to... Like lift up my child and to, you know, go out with my friends and be able to, you know, vacuum the house. And I was like, well, thin arms can do that too, so that's not working for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, cool. So the statement is just, I have arms, and then we're gonna move right on. <laughs> um, and a lot of times, that's even more challenging than it sounds for people to acknowledge a part of their body and be like, it just is, it's there. Okay, let's move on. Um, so that's a that's a great way to start challenging yourself is like okay I can hear the negative am I able to replace that statement even if it doesn't feel authentic right now like you're trying to rewrite your brain and that takes time
0: I like that that idea of trying to get new to neutrality we had a conversation earlier this week about uh compersion and jealousy and you know it's kind of like three tiers you got jealousy neutrality and compersion. And if you can't get to compersion, at least try to get to neutrality. So uh, kind of the same thing, if you can't get to bo- body positivity, maybe you can get to body neutrality at least. Uh, Cutter, what do you have to add uh, for tips for people getting started on this journey of self-love? And
1: yeah. what y'all are talking about, it reminds me of something I like to do with folks where we do the same thing with our thoughts and our emotions. Like our thoughts are just thoughts, our emotions are just emotions. They aren't reality. It's, you know, just meet it with neutrality, meet it for what it is. Our bodies are our bodies. Like we can start there. Great. We can do the same thing with like our thoughts and and emotions too. something that came to mind in, in talking about this, uh, in hearing y'all talk about, you know, what do we want to do with our partners? It made me think, I think we've all had this experience where one of our partners comes to us and they say four really dreaded words. I need, or five words, I need to lose weight. And then when Mm. I would hear that, I started thinking, shit, I'm going to be eating nothing but, like, (laughs) kale and, (laughs) like, bread made with amaranth and biblical grains. (laughs) And it just, like, is like, man, this is going to suck, and I'm going to have to go work out a ton and no, no Cokes and all of this. And like, before they even said anything, I'm already in a defensive place. I don't want to do that. Who wants to mm-hmm. do that? So I think reframing that expectation of what it means kind of, again, health at every size, what it means to, to be healthy. Like, it's not about running marathons. It's not about getting toned and fit. It's not about eating, like, more vegetables than God knows how much, than Chris Trayer can eat it's about balance. It's about moderation. It's about trying to incorporate physical activity wherever you're at. It's about finding a a way to eat that works for you and foods and lifestyles that are sustainable for you. You know, look at say the keto diet, like Mm -hmm. unless you have epilepsy, that's really like the only recommendation for following a keto diet is uh, to go that way because it's not sustainable. Right. And a lot of times that, kind of talk and that pressure pushes us to unsustainable behaviors. And, you know, again, that judgment we have of like, okay, you're going to push me to do something that's unsustainable. Yeah. You've already lost. But when we can reframe that conversation around, it's about, you know, getting a protein, carbs, starches, you know, it's about having some, it's about something that's much more holistic and doable and sustainable um, that I can live right. with that right. I can live with.
0: Yeah, it's definitely, it's got to be sustainable no matter what. Um, We're getting close to our time, but if you guys have a few minutes, can I push past? Yeah. Okay, cool. So I wanted to ask you, my assumption is that there are a lot of skeptics out there. There are people who will say healthy at every size, bullshit. Right. If you're fat, you're unhealthy because you have higher blood pressure and your heart has to work harder and you're more likely to get diabetes and blah, 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 blah. Like they're going to list all of these reasons why, you know, why that could be untrue. So I want to hear from you. Why? Why is that true? Why? What? What is the premise and the ideology behind healthy at every size?
2: That's a good question. Um, and I think it it does have to do with set points, um, like in your weight. So, and we can be again, like healthy at any size. Um, so regardless of the fact that I'm, you know, overweight, I can still work on my blood pressure. I can still work on my cholesterol and like bettering that. Um, I've gone most of my life in a larger body with having no high blood pressure, no cholesterol, no out of whack blood work, like. Low vitamin D levels, sure. Um, but that's really, and like, if I tell that to people, um, that and I have a black belt in Taekwondo, those are the two things that people are like, I never would have guessed that by looking at you. Um,
0: <laughs> All right, be careful, everybody. She'll kick your ass. <laughs> I'm like, I have a
2: black belt and I don't have high blood pressure. And they're like, that's impossible. Both of those are impossible. And I'm like, well, it's, I do you want to see the paperwork? Like, I. <laughs> don't you know what fight? to tell you <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, but like I work with a dietitian um a personal trainer like twice a week that's virtual like 20 minutes of, you know a piece and it's like that's my way of saying yeah i'm a fat person always have been that does not equal automatically like you're obviously not doing anything like mm-hmm. to contribute to your health yeah um, yes. and that's what I want to encourage like my clients when they're like, it's already too far gone. I did too much damage. I can't, you know, there's no point. And I'm like, let's do some movement in session today. Like, let's just do some stretches and then let's, you know, that's it. Like your body can do that. Um, so I think it's a lot of looking at what you can do instead of what you can't. Um, and a big, like, I know we're close on time, but a big parting message that, um, I would love for people to get is, um, well, I just lost my train of thought, so maybe Cutter can go, but <laughs> I'll yeah.
0: come back to it. <laughs> yeah, let, let, let's do that, let's do that. Uh, Cutter, go ahead and give me your thoughts on, on healthy at every size.
1: Sure, so I think it's, uh, what I would like to add is, you know, recognizing that whatever size we find ourselves at, is not just is not the product of the conscious decision of everything we've ever put into our bodies. Um, you know, if somebody has dealt with food scarcity growing up, like they're going to be in a pattern of like when I see food that is accessible, because my history tells me I don't know when my next meal is coming or know when my next reliable meal is coming, I'm going to eat everything that I can. You know mm-hmm. that that's that's not personal choice. That's fucking biology. You know, Mm -hmm. it's what we do. That's what animals do when they like, okay, not going to have food for a while. That's what snakes do. I don't have food for a while. I'm going to take as much of that as I can. So seeing someone in a larger body, before we get to that point uh, of judgment and trying to, to vilify them, have some damn compassion that you don't know what brought them there. Um, And if you treat somebody as though, you know, they're being in a larger body is an indictment on their choices. It's an indictment on how, you know, how disciplined, how worthy they are, you're missing the fucking boat. Mm -hmm. And that kind of approach that you take to anybody that isn't gonna make them want to change that makes me want a (laughs) cheeseburger. You know, so I think for me, the the biggest thing is when you see somebody in in a larger body, step back and Realize you're seeing a snapshot of them at one single moment in time. You don't know what brought them to the dance. You don't know where they're going afterwards. You don't know everything that's going on with them. You know, this, you know, somebody in a larger body, like there, there's other things that are going on that, that could have led them to that point than just, oh, you just, you just can't control yourself. You just can't manage yourself. So having some compassion, having some recognition that this is a much you know, no pun intended, larger issue than just (laughs) what are you choosing to eat? And can you not like exercise some self-restraint? But there's way more to it than that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Katie, I want to give you back that opportunity. uh, And I'm going to ask this of both of you anyway. Um, Was there anything that I missed? Anything that you wish that I had asked? Or just any final parting thoughts that you want to leave with our audience?
2: Um, so I did remember the thing, um, so (laughs) I had someone ask me once, okay, so what's your goal in meeting with me, um, and this was, like, a fitness guru, Mm -hmm. and I was, like, I want to lose weight, um, and they weren't even, like, aware of health at every size or practice from that, but I was so impressed with them because they responded, but, like, why, what, does that give you? And I was like, well, like, dude, my knees hurt, my back hurts. And they're like, okay, so you would like more mobility and like get some of your mobility back. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah, I wish I were strong. Like, I used to be a lot stronger. And they were like, strength. And they're like, so you say you want to lose weight, but that's not, you didn't follow through. Like, that's not it. You want mobility. You want your flexibility. You want strength. And they were like, yeah, weight loss doesn't give you any of that like automatically. <laughs> um, so they were like, I just wanted to clarify what your goals are because it's not, like weight loss may happen along the way, but that's not what you're really after. Like, why do you want to do that? And I was like, oh shit, <laughs> you got me.
0: Boom. <laughs> I love that. I love that. It's the weight loss isn't the goal, it's the things around it that you think weight loss can give you, but it doesn't necessarily.
2: Right. But yeah, my, I, I think my parting, yeah, my final thought would be, you know, um, all the skeptics and are you know if it's like that all that's bullshit i was one of those um and i was like nope the only way to be happy is to lose weight and that's the end of it i would really encourage those people to read the book health at every size um see the research that's gone into it there's tons of like footnotes and studies to back all of this up um so I i just think it takes like that little bit of humility which i know is super difficult when someone's telling you something that automatically you have a lot of feelings about or defensive thoughts. So just be willing to hear both sides and it might, it might change your life.
1: Nice cutter. Are you going to look at Warren Sapp NFL lineman and tell him he is unhealthy? No, like look (laughs) at, you know, look at this. Like we, we talk about just kind of this inherent view of, you know, bigger equals not healthy. Like, you know, look at NFL linebackers, look at NFL linemen, like they're healthy. We wouldn't dare make that judgment against them. Um, I'm a wrestling fan and there's a ton of pro wrestlers that are in larger bodies. And you're not going to tell me they're not unhealthy. The things they're able to do they're they're, for, they're far more athletic and, and far healthier. I would say than, you know, most people who walk around with a perfectly ripped and toned body. Right. Um, so just, you know, start checking, you know, kind of almost like fact checking and poke some holes in your own argument. Like you don't have to look far to find people that are in larger bodies that you would say, oh, God, no, they're not unhealthy. So why does that judgment have to exist everywhere then? Nice. Um, All right. Last
0: thing I want to do is to uh, give you both an opportunity. Uh, If somebody wanted to work with you, if somebody wanted to get help from you, what is the best way? We'll start with Katie. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you?
2: Yeah. Email's the easiest. um, And yet there's my Instagram and it has, if you follow me on Instagram, um, there's a link that gives you access to like everything that I offer. Um, Or it's just katy, K-A-T-Y, at thewakefulstate.com. And that's me in my private practice. And for our listening audience, what's that Instagram? Um, At the weighty therapist. Um, And that's it, yeah. The weighty therapist.
1: All right. And Cutter? So if you want to, to reach out to me, we have our website is Dallas, dallasct um, You can just also Google my name with LPC behind it, Cutter Roberts LPC. And the first thing that pops up is the link to, to get set up with me. It's the benefit of having a unique name is you just Google my name and get <laughs> there. So um, yeah, uh, yeah, I take clients in Dallas, I do virtual and in-person work. Um, yeah. And I see you can work virtually with anybody in the state of Texas and in person with anybody who's willing to drive here. So.
0: Perfect. And Katie, yours is all online. Is that right?
2: Yep. Ever since I started, I've been virtual and people seem to really love it. So if that's your, if that's your thing, totally reach out.
0: All right. Perfect. Well, thank you both so much. Um, I really have had a blast uh, hanging out with the two of you, getting a chance to learn from you uh, and working with you to cut through some of this stigma around bigger bodies. So thank you both for your insight. uh, And, you know, hopefully our, our community will really benefit from this.
2: Thanks for having us.
0: Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and thank you, as always, to our live audience for tuning in today. Uh, as a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same cannot be said for those podcast downloads. If you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday right here, 2.30 pacific time or sign up for our patreon where you'll get access to our commercial free rss feed and support the show don't forget to subscribe on youtube itunes spotify wherever it is that you download your podcast if you haven't already and please leave us a review we will really appreciate it would love to hear uh what you all really think of the show uh that is it for us today cutter as a wrestling fan you're really gonna love this all right everybody
1: have a nice day